0: Welcome back to the Sports Gamble Ramble. This is SGR number 76, and we're breaking down the Chicago Bears. Going to keep plowing through that NFC North, and we've done the Packers and Vikings already. I think this is kind of a fun division to break down. I've had fun with the last two episodes. I hope you guys are as well. I am not as optimistic about the Bears as I have been about the Packers and Vikings. I'm here to tell you on this episode why they will fail to go over their win total of six and a half Wins this year. That is the headline here. The Bears are a bad football team. They did not do much this offseason to help out uh Justin Fields, their second-year quarterback who struggled as a rookie to say the least. So let's dive into why this team is so fucking bad. I really think that the Bears are going to have a top 5 draft pick this year. I hope this isn't a cold take come January. I really just feel like this roster sucks. So sorry if you're a Bears fan. I have them coming in last in the division. I've alluded to the fact I think the Detroit Lions are doing a decent job building, and I trust that coaching staff in their second year more than this coaching staff in their first year. Let's dive straight in. The Bears went 6-11 and last year, and I fear it only gets worse this year. Again, third in the division last year. They will come in fourth this year. Unless anything crazy happens, they finished 13th in the NFC this past season. They would have had the seventh pick in the draft if they hadn't traded it away to the New York Giants to move up to get Justin Fields in 2020. A move that really, you know, aside from moving up to trade for their guy, they, ha- again, have just done nothing to follow that up as far as surrounding him with weapons or even building that O line for the guy. Coming out of Ohio State, already there's a stigma there of quarterbacks just continuing to flat-out bust in the NFL. And then he goes to a bad situation here in Chicago. Offense last year was 27th in points per game, 18.3. 24th in yards per game at 307.4. Defense, although um, good with yards per game in 316.7, they were only... um, Excuse me, that was 6th in yards per game, if I didn't mention that. They gave up 22nd most points in the NFL at 23.9. A result of that, I believe, is the turnover margin. They're tied for 31st in the NFL at a minus 13 turnover margin tied with the New York Jets. And so when you're at a minus 13 turnover margin, your defense can be as stingy as they want in terms of yards. But if you're giving the other team the ball on your own 20-yard line, you're going to give up some points. That's kind of what last year looked like for this team. They were six and eleven against the spread as well, tied for the third worst cover rate in the NFL. So, not a good year. A lot of uh, inconsistencies and it, you know injuries at the QB position. They started the season off with Andy Dalton. Um, made the tradition or transition eventually to fields. He couldn't stay healthy consistently. Dalton got back in there. Nick Fields, or excuse me, Nick Foles started a game for this team and was, was actually the best quarterback on this team last year, even though he was third string for the entire. Why was Andy Dalton above Nick Foles on your depth chart? That makes zero sense. That makes zero sense, and it shows what a bad coach Matt Nagy is or was. That guy will never be a head coach again. Um, we'll see if he gets another OC job. I don't actually know where he's at in the league this year. But I guess that brings us into a decent transition to talk about the new coach replacing Matt Nagy, and that is Matt Eberflues, uh, most recently defensive coordinator for the Indianapolis Colts from 2018 to 2021. They did have a pretty good defensive unit there. Uh, been with Frank Reich for the last four years in India, and now he gets to start at a head coaching job. College football coach from 92 to 2000, Toledo assistant, Missouri, um, defensive coordinator from 2001 to 2008. Then he came into the NFL at 09 Cleveland linebackers coach until 2010, Dallas linebackers coach from 2011 to 2015 before going to Indy in 2018. Don't know what happened in that three year gap there, but it doesn't really matter. He was the Colts defensive coordinator, um, you know, it's interesting to me that they fail so miserably with an offensive minded head coach and then like a classic, you know, dysfunctional organization they choose to just overcorrect by going back to the defensive side of the ball for their head coach. And I think, you know, not to say that defense is dead in the NFL, I think we're seeing a trend where a lot of the more successful teams have offensive minded head coaches in the modern NFL and uh yeah, I don't know if Iberflus was the right guy for the job, especially when, like I said, you know, this offense was anemic and really your main focus as an organization should be at this point that Justin Fields doesn't fall flat on his face here within the first three years of his NFL career. And, and, you know, you're stuck again trying to grab another quarterback in the draft in two years. That's what it looks like to me. I was never that high on fields, but you add the situation he's in and it's just miserable. Um, you know, Trevor Lawrence has a better opportunity to succeed in Jacksonville. And, and that's saying something I would say. Um, addition to not having many offensive weapons, this is the 32nd ranked offensive line by Warren Sharp and Sharp Football this year. So I just don't see the offense taking a massive step forward when you hire a uh, head coach with a defensive background and you don't you know, expand your weapons or build the O-line. We can talk about that more later, but really, Jesus. The offensive coordinator who's tasked with getting that um, back on track is Luke Getze, college football coach from 07 to 13. Um, He's been mostly in Green Bay throughout his NFL career, offensive assistant from 2014 to 2017. He was the offensive coordinator at Mississippi State in 2018, then came back to the Packers as their QB coach for the last three seasons. Defensive coordinator is Allen Williams. We don't need to dive too into this. Eberflus will be in charge of the defense. But Alan Williams has been a defensive backs coach and assistant defensive coach in college football from 96 to 2000. Then with the Buccaneers in 2001, the Colts from 2002 to 2011 as the DB's coach, defensive coordinator in Minnesota 2012 to 2013, then DB's coach in Detroit for three years, and Indy DB's coach under Eberflus the entire time, 2018 to 2021. So a head coach bringing a former assistant from his previous staff. Makes sense. Let's get into the key losses for this team. Um, lost a couple key pieces and contributors. Biggest name is wide receiver Alan Robinson signing with the LA Rams. Now he didn't do jack shit for this team last year. I think a big part of it was health, dealing with injuries pretty much the entire season. Um we'll see if he can revitalize his career in LA as that wide receiver two to Cooper Cup. It's a you know, a role that doesn't take much to produce in, um, in that offense. And he's only 28 years old. So interesting that the bears just kind of wasted a year of him and let him walk. That's the best receiver on this team now gone. And they didn't do much to replace him. We'll talk later. Uh, offensive guard James Daniels went and signed with the Steelers. Uh, wide receiver Jakeem Grant is gone. Not a consistent guy, but some speed on this offense no longer there. Defensive end Akeem Hicks has been a really good player on that D-line. He went and signed with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, replacing and Sioux. Defensive end Belil Nichols left the building. Cornerback Artie Burns, former first round bust from the Steelers, no longer on the roster. Running back Damian Williams signed with the Atlanta Falcons. Wide receiver Marquise Godwin, excuse me, Marquise Goodwin was on this roster last year. Um, if you need to win any bar trivia. This summer, because I didn't know he was still in the NFL. Um, that guy can go fuck himself because he opted out during the COVID year after signing a one-year deal with the Eagles. So he basically just robbed the Eagles of like $5 million and then never played a snap for them. Cool. And now his career's dead. Offensive guard Alex Bars. Offensive tackle Jermaine Ifedi. Gone. Uh, safety Dion Bush. Wide receiver Demir Bird. Quarterback Andy Dalton is gone, and quarterback Nick Foles is now Matt Ryan's backup in Indy. When we do the Colts episode, I'll give him a shout-out because I thought that was a great signing for the Colts. He's back with Frank Reich. He's the perfect backup in case Matt Ryan goes down for that team. Good for you, Foles. You didn't deserve to be Andy Dalton's backup in Chicago. That's absolutely laughable. Guys, a Super Bowl MVP. Let's have a Nick Foles episode one of these days. That'll be fun. So that's really the key losses for this team, and they weren't overly active. They kind of took that shotgun approach, just bringing in a bunch of fucking... It's like the island of misfit toys, especially in that receiving room for the Bears. So let's just run through a bunch of mediocre names here. Defensive tackle Justin Jones was their highest-paid free agent acquisition come over from the L.A. Chargers. Defensive end al Muhammad. Offensive guard Lucas Patrick. Wide receiver Byron Pringle, who was, I believe, the fourth receiver on the Chiefs the last few years. Tight end Ryan Griffin came over from the Jets. Cornerback Tavon Young coming over from the Raven, uh, Ravens, not the Ravens. Um, uh, the Tavon Young was a good corner for a few years, but I think he's had a pretty significant drop off recently. Outside linebacker Nicholas Morrow, uh, quarterback Trevor Simeon is the backup for this team. He came in, uh, you know, obviously they lost Dalton and Foles this offseason. Need to get a guy in there. Tight end James O'Shaughnessy signed in the offseason. Wide receiver Taji Sharp, wide receiver Dante Pettis, wide receiver Equinemius St. Brown. And safety, DeAndre Houston Carson. Are all the guys that they signed this offseason that will have probably zero influence on the outcome of their games? I mean, these, I, you know, I don't want to be disrespectful. I'm kind of a dick sometimes talking about these players that just aren't good. But, yeah, they're irrelevant. It doesn't matter. Um, let's go into the draft. They had an okay draft. Um, they really invested more in the defense, which, again, like, Are you guys going to help your quarterback or not? This shit is weird to me, but their first two picks were defensive. I mentioned they didn't have a first-round pick because they gave it to the Giants for the quarterback that they're not building around. Holy shit, Chicago. You know, a historic franchise, they are just run miserably as of recently, and really in most of my lifetime. I'm 28, and I haven't seen a consistent Bears franchise They had that one run with the dominant defense in, I believe, 06 going to the Super Bowl against the Colts. And they've had a couple strong defenses. You know, I mean, obviously, growing up watching Erlacher and Lance Briggs, and then you see the Julius Peppers defenses. And then, you know, back in uh, 2016 with the Eddie Jackson, you know, Roquan Smith, Khalil Mack guy. I mean, they've been a good defensive unit, but this team has not been a winner in what, like, 30 years, man, they're just not a well-run organization anymore. The draft, cornerback Kyler Gordon was their first pick, 39th overall out of University of Washington. I thought he could sneak into the first round. Um, Interesting, you know, he could be a starting corner in this league, high draft capital. Um, we will see how it plays out. Again, I thought that they could have used some offensive line or some receiver help here. They doubled down in the secondary, bringing in safety Jaquan Brisker out of Penn State in the second round. This is a guy that I I was interested in from the um, pre-draft perspective. Kyler Gordon got a decent amount of coverage too, but I just heard – I guess being compared to some of the other corners going in the first round, specifically guys like uh, Trent McDuffie and Kyire Elam, I, I just all I heard in the draft process was just kind of, I guess, negative comparisons because he's not quite the prospect um, of those guys that he was being compared to. But still early draft capital for Kyler Gordon, he could be a very good corner. Um, I guess just not as safe of a pick, and I don't feel as confident as I do in the Jaquan Brisker pick. I think he can be a pretty strong safety in the NFL, and I am pretty, I feel pretty good about that guy as a talent. Um, round three, wide receiver Velas Jones Jr., they finally add a receiver to this team in the third round of the draft. Coming out of Tennessee, um, not an overly-sized guy. I think he's about six foot, maybe even 5'11", because you know Google likes to lie, and football coaches always love to add an inch or two onto their uh, players. Um, but Vilas Jones actually ran a 4.31 3 40 at the Combine. He looks to be a pretty shifty guy in terms of, uh, you know, throw him a quick screen and, and make him – you know, let him dance, let him make guys miss. Um, he looks pretty explosive. I was looking up some, uh, some YouTube on him a little bit this morning before I got ready to record. He's interesting to me, and this wide receiver room is so wide open that he could, uh, he could be a rookie that sees, um, you know, some meaningful snaps from day one, I think. He's a guy to be aware of as, like, a super late dart throw in your fantasy leagues. We'll break it down later. Rounds five through seven, they had eight draft picks. I'm not going over it. I usually don't go past the fourth round unless it's like a pretty significant skill position player or something on these draft breakdowns. But it's interesting. Again, shotgun approach this offseason. I mean, they drafted fucking 11 guys. But again, five through seven, eight picks. I mean, the chances are you maybe get one starter from those eight picks. Strange to me. Um, that's the personnel breakdown. And as you can see, again, I'm not overly optimistic about this team and let's just keep it rolling. I'm trying to keep this episode short for you guys today. I'm recording on a Saturday and I've got shit to do. Um, the, uh, the bears, you know, they're not going to be good. They don't have an easy schedule here. I really see this. It's actually funny. I just commented, um, or tweeted or whatever on some social media today. It was like a kid. You know, kid dressed up in full pads going and getting autographs signed by Justin Fields. You're my favorite player. You're my hero. I, I, I look at it and I say, man, that's a that's a lot of effort. That's a lot of commitment just to go 4-13 and 13 this year. But I really think this team stinks. Their schedule, their strength of schedule, according to whatever fucking source I'm using, says it's the fourth easiest schedule in the NFL. I don't see it. I think part of that... They do have some bad teams on here, okay? Like, the Texans, Giants, uh, Lions twice, Jets, Falcons, you know... Those are very winnable games, but that's about it all. I mean, they play the NFC East, and, like, Commanders, Eagles, I know they're not looked at as world beaters. They didn't have great records last year. I think both teams will be a little bit better this year, especially Philly. Listen to this schedule. Let's run through it. Preseason, Chiefs, Seahawks, Browns. Regular season, 49ers, Packers, Texans, Giants, Vikings, Commanders, Patriots, Cowboys, Dolphins, Lions, Falcons, Jets, Packers, Eagles, Bills, Lions, Vikings. They're not going to be as good as the Vikings. I don't think they're as good as the Lions. Maybe they steal one, but I do think the Lions are better than this team. Um, You know, 49ers, loss. Packers, loss. Vikings, twice, loss. They're not going to be as good as the Commanders. Maybe they upset them. Patriots, no way that they beat Belichick. Cowboys, nope. Dolphins are going to be better this year. Nope. You know, maybe they can beat the Falcons, the Jets, the Texans, the Giants. That's about where I I see it stopping is easy wins. And even those are not gimmies because this team in itself, you know, you know, man for man, roster for roster, maybe the worst roster in the NFL here. So, I mean, what are we really excited about? I took them under six and a half wins. I told you guys already at the beginning of the episode, the odds are minus 140 for under six and a half wins. Um, About two and a half weeks ago on July uh, 13th, the under was minus 125. It has since moved to minus 140. I've seen it as high as 155 on certain books. I locked that in this morning before recording. So far, I've got the Vikings over eight and a half, and I've got the Bears under six and a half. The Bears under six and a half is right now my highest confidence win total of the entire season. I love this bet. I am absolutely pounding it. It's the most that I've put on an NFL. NFL future in probably two years. Last year, just so you guys know, also, I went seven out of eight on my win totals for the season. I, I picked eight win totals. The only one I missed was who did I miss on the Redskins the fucking commanders um, I had them going over I think eight and a half wins they went like seven and ten and I bet that um, with the thought that Ryan Fitzpatrick would be their quarterback not Taylor Heineke they still finished a, a game and a half outside of it but I went seven out of eight last year you guys can check my results I'll probably post them again later this August as we get ready to throw our official win totals out there But I'm just, I'm saying this because I really feel like I have a good grasp on the win total market. Um, They're the futures that I enjoy betting the most and that I have the most success in. And I fucking love Bears under six and a half wins. I just went through that schedule and I do not see seven wins out there. I can't be more vocal. I just said, this is a bottom five roster in the NFL. They'll have a top five draft pick, new head coach. Defensive minded head coach. Offense was a mess. Worst ranked offensive line in the NFL. Their starting receivers are Darnell Mooney, Byron Pringle, and a third round pick. What do you want from this team? Not going to be good. Odds to win the division plus 950. Odds to win the conference 55 to 1. Odds to win the Super Bowl 100 to 1. Odds to make the playoffs plus 360. Yes and then no to make the playoffs minus 550. This team has no shot. They're dead in the water this year. We don't need to waste time. Give me the under six and a half. Give me the under six and a half. Run to your book and bet it now. Another reason why I went and locked this in, I mentioned on the Vikings episode, I'm not crazy about locking in my season win totals this early in the season, being the last week of July, because... You know, you get an injury to a starting quarterback or something like that, your odds can shift drastically and you could be absolutely fucked. Take a look at the Colts the year that um – Peyton Manning sat out. The Colts most likely a 10 and a half, 11 and a half win team with Peyton Manning as the starting quarterback. You find out he has neck surgery and Curtis Painter is your starter. If you had an over 10 wins ticket with the Colts, you were fucked. So that's a situation where I don't like to overly invest in overs at this time of year because injuries will get in your way. But what's going to happen that changes over the next six weeks before kickoff that this team all of a sudden gets drastically better. Like they can only decline like free agencies over the drafts over. The only thing that can make this team worse is like a Justin Fields injury, you know, like they can't nothing's going to change to make this under not attractive to me. So go ahead and lock it in now before the odds change, because I just told you it moved 20 points over the last two weeks. Love it. Love it. Let's do fantasy football and let's get out. This is not an attractive offense for me from a fantasy football perspective. We can dive into the individual players a little bit more, but there's not much I'm targeting here. Honorable mentions, backup quarterback Trevor Simeon, third string running back, Darrington Evans, uh, former Titans backup, not doing much, but this team did lose Tariq Cohen this offseason. It looks like his career's over. I believe he blew out his Achilles this off season, and um, that's his second substantial lower body injury in the last couple of years. Yeah, Tariq Cohen's done, so if there's going to be a guy stepping into that role at all, it's Darrington Evans. Um, Wide receiver, I told you guys, the wide receiver room, really so many targets up for grabs. We don't know what this offense is going to look like or what the target share is. The three receivers I'll mention as far as the guys technically starting on the roster right now are Darnell Darnell Mooney, Byron Pringle, and Vilas Jones. They're the only guys, I guess, really being considered fantasy relevant right now, even though um, I would say it's a stretch even calling them relevant. So... The honorable mentions at receiver who could get worked into the target shared this season are wide receiver Nikhil Harry, former first-round pick, epic bust for the New England Patriots. He got traded over here for, I believe, a sixth or a seventh-round pick this offseason. Wide receiver Daz Newsome, wide receiver Taji Sharp, wide receiver Dante Pettis all looking like you know, depth chart accessories right now. And then tight end Ryan Griffin is the second tight end on this team behind Cole Komet. I mentioned he came over from the Jets this offseason. So fantasy, starting QB's Justin Fields. Hopefully we get a full season to see what this kid can look like this year. Um, I mentioned, you know, Andy Dalton and Nick Foles got a decent amount of playing time last year, and this kid wasn't even ready to start the season. Um, Dalton was the day one starter out of training camp uh fields being drafted 124 overall quarterback 16 last year 138 overall quarterback 17 finished the year quarterback 31 and you might say well hey he only played 12 games cut him some slack i don't really care because he finished quarterback 44 in points per game there's only 32 teams in the nfl guys Like Gardner, Minshew, Nick Foles, Trevor Simeon all put up better fantasy performances last year as second or third string quarterbacks. Um, He has a relatively easy schedule, sixth most advantageous at the quarterback position for fantasy points allowed. I think the only way you get fantasy value out of fields is through the running game. I'll say, you know, this offense doesn't look great. He doesn't have great weapons. The O-line stinks, which I've actually heard people make a case this summer that could be better for him because he's going to be forced to scramble and use his legs more, which obviously for fantasy football is a cheat code. I don't see him being a guy that I will target. Again, just overall, I'm not big on the talent individually or his situation here. Uh, consistency-wise, only finished top six once last year, um, finished top 12 in 33.3% of his uh, starts. That was 19th most consistent in the NFL uh, and busted outside of the top 24 in half his games. So I just don't see it. I think if you don't get a, a solid to elite rushing performance from him on any given Sunday, the yardage will not be there. The touchdown upside will not be there in an offense that should be bottom five in the league. Not interested for me. <clears throat> running backs, let's, uh, let's keep it moving here. And this is kind of a weird situation. I will preface this by saying that the Chicago Bears have the easiest fantasy schedule for running backs. They also have the easiest for tight ends and fantasy receivers 23rd schedule. So again, easy schedule for running backs, Um, you know, theoretically the easiest in the NFL for fantasy purposes. Running back David Montgomery is being drafted 34th overall this year, running back 18, was being drafted around earlier last year at 27 overall, running back 15 overall last season. Finished RB19 after playing 14 games, 19th in points per game at the running back position also. So pretty solid season from Montgomery. Nothing really special. He had a pretty solid season the year before, I believe. He does have one uh, top five finish at the running back position in his career. But I'll say about David Montgomery, I'm not really interested. He's going in kind of that running back dead zone, that purgatory This guy could potentially still be the starter on his team or this could be the year that he becomes irrelevant with those kind of uh, Antonio Gibson, um, Damian Harris type guys around that, that point in the draft. And I'm just not really into it. I'm looking to take receivers at that point in the draft for the most part. Ideally, I already have a running back or two that I feel confident in when we're talking about a mid-fourth round pick here with Montgomery. And I think there's potential for him to really see less volume this season with the rise of the next guy I wanna talk about, Khalil Herbert. So, Herbert is a guy that I think could possibly challenge for touches. We saw him come on last season and really look pretty good over a four week stretch. Um, Montgomery, his statistics, we'll get into consistency real quick, but he had a, Really a, well, let's just dive into it before I give you my overarching thoughts. Top 12, 38% of the time, it was 16th most consistent, so really not bad. He didn't have many RB2 finishes, however, 7.7% of the time, that's one game, that's 72nd in the NFL. So his overall top 24 Finish was 46.2% of the time, 25th best. Being drafted as the RB15 and finishing top 25 or top 24, 25th most is a little bit uh, higher of a bust rate than you want. Um, Obviously finishing outside of that top 24 at about 53% of the time. Not great. And then, like I mentioned, Khalil Herbert coming in. I think he's got an opportunity to potentially steal this uh, starting job by the end of the season. David Montgomery is entering the last year of his rookie deal. I really don't see many teams in the NFL these days being willing to cough up um, a second contract to running backs unless they really give an elite performance like Zeke did on his rookie deal. Christian McCaffrey, Todd Gurley, you know, these guys that really come out and just fucking smash Derrick Henry, the elite, elite running backs, they'll get their second contracts. Montgomery's not an elite guy. Um, And I don't know if this Bears front office and coaching staff is necessarily invested in him. He'd have to show a lot to me in order to get re-signed in Chicago. And you're not going to give the franchise tag to a running back because that puts David Montgomery next year making like 16 mil a year as a guy that is not worth it. So, I think with the youth behind him, Khalil Herber, a sixth-round pick rookie last year, not a high draft investment, not a high financial cost and investment, but a guy who, again, youth and the ability to be really cheap on their roster and, you know, free up a roster spot by getting Montgomery off the books. Let's talk about Herbert's stretch that I teased a little bit here. Last year, he had a... Uh, a four game sample size where David Montgomery was dealing with some injuries where Herbert was going off a little bit for fantasy between weeks 14 through 17 last year and a four game stretch against the 49ers, the Bucks, the Packers and the Raiders four playoff teams, four pretty solid defenses, Khalil Herbert, had 78 carries, 344 yards, one rushing touchdown. That's a pace of 19.5 carries and 86 rushing yards a game. If you throw in his receiving of just, you know, nine catches, 44 yards, nothing crazy, it's an average over a month-long span of 21 touches, 97 yards, and 0.25 touchdowns a game. Now, obviously, the touchdown numbers are not great. It's a four-game sample size. It's very small and this offense is not good so you're not going to get that many goal line looks especially with how bad they struggled last year but if you're telling me that this is a running back that we've seen in the past be able to handle 20 touches a game and produce almost 100 yards of scrimmage, if he does get a higher touchdown opportunity or just a little bit of regression balances out, and if he does see an extended or expanded snap count this season, as maybe they say, well, we're not re-signing Montgomery next year anyways, let's see what the kids got. I think this is a guy that could really take over that role late in the season for your fantasy teams um, to be kind of a playoff push guy that you don't have to invest highly in. Again, Bears number one easiest schedule this fantasy season. If we take a look, the fantasy playoffs, Ooh, uh, well, they got the lion. see the The back end of the schedule is nice. I mean, Dolphins, Lions, Falcons, Jets leading into the fantasy playoffs, and then it looks like Packers, Eagles, Bills, which is a little bit more difficult. But there's upside there for a late-season push. Khalil Herbert's essentially free in your drafts, going 159 overall, running back 53. He wasn't even on the radar last year going 101 in your fantasy drafts. If you are in a fantasy league that drafts 100 running backs, you probably don't need my help. Um, he finished running back 63 last year, uh, 16 games played. Running back 85 in games played or in points per game at the at the RB position. But I don't care because he was a backup that wasn't seeing time. He did have one RB 12 finish last year um, in a game against. It was at the no, that was a Packers game when he had 97 rushing yards and a touchdown. So if you have a guy that's uh, you know got the ability to give you that kind of volume and production, super worth the cost in my opinion for free in your fantasy leagues and a great best ball guy to pick up. Um, never finished RB two, only finished top 12 or top 24 once, and then the rest of his games just doing nothing for you. But again, he was a backup last year. I think the role changes. So let's do the uh, pass-catching weapons, and let's get out. Um, Darnell Mooney, really the only guy being drafted in fantasy. Some people have him as kind of a sleeper slash you know, post-type breakout guy. Really took over that wide receiver one role last year with Allen Robinson just dealing with nagging injuries or lack of motivation, whatever happened with A-Rob last season. Mooney's a pretty solid, pretty talented wide receiver. Coming into his third year in the NFL, um... I think he's worth a shot because you can get him in like the eighth round of your fantasy drafts. I'm, I'm not crazy about the passing offense in this, so I don't know really if you can count on him to be like a legitimate, consistent week-in, week-out guy, but he's got really good upside and is the clear number one for a team that you can get wide receiver 33 in your drafts. He'll be a top 30 fantasy receiver uh, despite quarterback play. Finished wide receiver 23 last year in 17 games with, again, you know, the hodgepodge of Dalton, Foles, and Fields. Um, 23rd in points per game at the position last year. So... We've seen him produce with bad quarterback play, and he's going in the eighth round. I think it's you know, definitely worth worth a shot here on Mooney. Uh, finished top 12 17.6% of the time last year, was 34th highest rate. Uh, finished a wide receiver, too, the 17th highest rate at 23.5%. Again, these are pretty decent consistency numbers when you consider the amount of inconsistency amongst the rest of the offense and roster top 24 receiver 41.2% of the time with those quarterbacks 25th most consistent top 24 wide receiver and his 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 uh, um, just situation in general could get better this year so although he did bust 47.1% of the time outside of the top 36 receivers again you know Good luck having any sort of consistent success on this Bears team last year. The last two fantasy guys that, you know, really are projected to start here, you know, Byron Pringo and Valus Jones, not much to talk about. We're not going to do consistency rankings because there's basically no data. Velus Jones is a rookie. I am 100% comfortable taking like a last round pick on Velus Jones based on the tape I've seen and the fact that I think he is like undoubtedly one of the top two receivers on this team by the end of the year. I just don't know how much value that is. Like, I don't know what the wide receiver two for the Chicago Bears really gives you in terms of fantasy football this year. So I'm not overly investing. Um but Velas Jones is a guy, I think he's at least the second best receiver on this roster. Mooney's probably better at this point in their careers, but he's got some upside. For a third round pick, it looks like the Bears might have found a guy. Um, yeah, he's interesting to me. I like him way more than Byron Pringle, but don't draft either one of these guys. Just see what's going on in the offense and pick one of them up off the waiver wire. Velas Jones is a guy that unless he goes gangbusters in the first week of the season, like he's a third-round pick on the Bears. Like Nobody's going to be overly excited to pick him up in your fantasy leagues, but I'm telling you, I think the guy is pretty talented and has an easy path to a starting role in a lot of snaps here so if you see him doing things on the field that you like be aware of that name remember that i talked about him in this episode and don't be afraid to pick him up if you see him producing or if you see him getting you know an expanded role on the field cole Komet, last name here uh starting tight end third year tight end highest drafted tight end in the 2020 nfl draft i'm really getting bad with my years here covid threw everything off for me Um, but Cole Komet is a guy going into his third year. We've seen tight ends take a few years traditionally to really break out from a fantasy perspective and a pass catching production perspective. He's being drafted tight end 13 this year after going 22 last year, going in your 12th to 13th round, essentially free at the tight end position at 125 overall this year, finished the tight end 20 last year, played a full season 25th in points per game. And it's really because he he didn't score any touchdowns. Jimmy Graham was still on this team, and he ended up getting all the the goal line touchdown looks. So this guy, you know, if you're a tight end and you don't catch touchdowns, you're just going to be irrelevant. Um, I'm thinking that he will be better this year, obviously, with Graham gone from the roster. He should get all those red zone targets. And I think that having a quarterback who, in my opinion, has a below-average NFL arm and will provide below-average NFL play maybe benefits Komet as being kind of that security blanket, that chain mover, that PPR guy. So he could see high target volume. I'm just not sure I'm in love with uh, what his yards and even his touchdown production is going to look like in this offense. He has the number one fantasy schedule for tight ends, which is interesting. And I think that does shape a little bit better case for Kmet. Um Let's talk about his consistency. Only finished the top six tight end once last year, 41st best consistency. If you even consider that worth a metric finished top 12 only 17.6% of the time. Um, yeah, 35th most amongst tight ends. Sorry, my notes got fucked up because Excel thinks it's smarter than me. And uh, outside of that, you know, finished the tight end 2, 13 through 24, 35% of his games. Finished outside of the top 24 is at tight end, 47%. Again, he's the starter. There's no Jimmy Graham. It should get better this year, but he's not a guy I'm overly excited. There's plenty of tight ends I'd rather take my shot on in the, the uh, in the fantasy drafts this year. So that's it, guys. You know, again, real quick about Cole Komet. I think he's going one spot ahead of Hunter Henry. Um, Hunter Henry has a much better odds of scoring a touchdown on a week-in, week-out basis, so that's just kind of my reference for that tight end position. Let's wrap this up, keeping it under 40 minutes. Those are my thoughts on the Bears. Um, Right after you finish listening to this, go to your book and bet them to win less than six and a half games. This is not a seven-win football team at all. Um, So sorry, Bears fans. Even the Lions will be better than you this year. We will break down the Lions in tomorrow's episode. Um, This one coming to you Sunday morning. We'll get the Lions to you on Monday. And then I believe we will actually hop over to the AFC West this time. So going to be shifting gears, covering those Chiefs on Tuesday, I believe. Get ready, strap in, have yourselves a good weekend. I will talk to you tomorrow. Thanks for listening and ramble on.